Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z for Thursday, the 19th day of May 2022. It is another day of the Biden presidency, the joke, the absolute farce that we are still living under. The fact that inflation is even higher today than it was yesterday, and there's no end in sight. It's such a shame, my friends. Joe Biden is destroying America from within, and we are pretty much helpless and powerless to do anything about it. I had the pleasure of participating in a town hall session yesterday with Louisiana Congressman and House Minority Whip Steve Scalise. We had a nice discussion on the telephone. Um, He spoke about several issues and I raised a few questions during that town hall meeting. And still, I have worry that once the Republicans take over Congress in the midterm elections, nothing will be done. Because although Scalise talks a good game, I think he lacks the power, the authority, the ability to actually get the things done that he probably wishes he could get done. We discussed potential impeachment of Biden, of Harris. We talked potential censorship of Pelosi and members of the squad. But the one thing the Republicans need to have once they take power again is something called cojones, intestinal fortitude. You know, the balls to get things done. They can't just go back into power with some weak leader like Mitch McConnell and say, well, uh, we're in power now and we're just going to do everything we can to sit around and do nothing. They have to get swift with action. They need to propose legislation and run it through because I do believe the Republicans will have more than just a slim majority in the House. And I'm hoping they will have more than just a tiny fractional majority in the U.S. Senate. But that's just my wishful thinking. Once they gain power or regain power, they need to know how to wield that power, how to use that power, how to shut down the liberal progressive, woke factions in our country. We cannot continue on this path and remain a viable nation. That is reality. Let me ask you a question. If you lived in a place, let's say South Florida, and every single day you saw alligators coming out of the water and eating your pets and destroying your property. Would you say we have an alligator problem? Of course you would. If you lived, for example, in the high desert and you saw bobcats coming in and killing your chickens and eating your small pets and ravaging your garbage cans for food and creating a general mess, would you say we have a bobcat problem? Especially if you witnessed those alligators in Florida, those bobcats in the high desert. If you lived in bear country and you saw brown bears on video and in person 
roaming through neighborhoods in the middle of the night, tipping over garbage cans, eating garbage, attacking small animals, doing property destruction, breaking into cars because they saw Oreos on the seat. Would you say you have a bear problem? One more. If you lived anywhere where you have raccoons and possums, and you see raccoons and possums turning over garbage cans, tearing window screens, eating on things they shouldn't be eating on, generally causing mayhem, crapping all over the place. Would you say you had a raccoon or a possum problem? Of course you would. In America's inner cities and encroaching now into the suburbs and even into more rural areas, we have a problem in this country. Yes, it's a human problem and it's a certain segment of the human population in this country. But no one dares to say we have a blankety-blankety-blank problem. We dare not say that we have a blankety-blankety-blank problem because of the blankety-blankety-blanks that are causing the problems. We see it on video surveillance. We witness it live before our very eyes. In cities like Memphis, New Orleans, Detroit, Seattle, Portland, Minneapolis, New York. Atlanta, even smaller towns like Jackson, Mississippi, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We have a problem in this country with a certain group of American citizens. Yes, they happen to be a racial minority. They happen to be approximately 13% of our population as a minority. I'm not saying that every single one of those members of that certain ethnic minority are committing crimes, but the vast majority of all crimes committed in the United States by percentage fall under that one specific ethnic minority. I won't mention it by name because I don't want to be accused of racism or bigotry. But they know who they are, and the non-crime-committing members of that ethnic minority know for a fact what the major cause of the majority of crimes is stemming from. The majority of Americans know for a fact because we see it on the news each and every day, especially in cities like New Orleans, Louisiana, where yesterday the city council members, many of whom are members of that particular ethnic minority, got on television and sidestepped the reality, sidestepped the issue, sidestepped the fact, refused to call out that element by race. But they see the problem. They see who is committing the crimes each and every day and they refuse to identify that source of the majority of crimes being committed. There are a large number of a specific ethnic minority population in the city of New Orleans who seem to have lots and lots of money, lots of spare change. How do I say that? Well, Several people have been videotaped in very expensive sports cars 
with lots and lots of horsepower, burning rubber, doing donuts, spinning around in circles around intersections and in the middle of intersections, oftentimes right in front of the New Orleans Police Department, right in front of vehicles, police cars, right in front of police headquarters, and the cops sit there and do nothing about it. When they arrest these few thugs, these few criminals, these few lawbreakers, they're often found to be people on welfare, people receiving Social Security supplemental income, people on food stamps. But they can afford to burn the rubber off the tires of these vehicles, burn rubber to the point where the tires are as bald as Steve Z's head? Not to mention the fuel. How the hell can you afford the fuel to sit there and burn rubber and do donuts for five, ten minutes straight and then speed off down the street, endangering the lives of everyone watching? If you can't afford food because you're on food stamps. If you can't afford housing because you live in Section 8 homes. If you can't afford anything because you're supposedly an underserved community. Something is wrong. The news media scared to death that this one particular group of criminals who all comprised members of one certain 13% ethnic minority in the city of New Orleans, those television stations are scared to death to point out the fact that we all know New Orleans has a problem with a specific ethnic minority, but we can't say them by name. We can't identify them publicly, officially, because we might be called racists. Those television stations are located in areas that are now heavily populated by that same 13% ethnic hyphenated American minority that we dare not say its name for fear of being called racists ourselves. We know we have a problem with that group. We just can't say we have a blankety-blankety-blank problem. We can't say it because the news media knows if they dare say it, they would lose viewership. People would boycott outside of their television station studios. They would accuse that station of being racist. And since those three major television stations who have news networks all are affiliated with national news networks, they might lose their network affiliation and therefore any relevant programming that they may broadcast aside from the news affiliation of that particular network. Not that there's anything worth watching on broadcast television anyway, but the fear is there. The fear of losing their income, their revenue at those television stations. They don't dare say New Orleans has a blankety-blankety-blank problem. They don't want to be called racist. Neither do I. I don't want to be called racist when I'm simply identifying reality, when I'm saying the truth, when I'm calling out fact. I don't want that to lend to my being called a racist. You need only look at the FBI crime statistics to tell you which race or ethnicity is committing the bulk of all crime in the United States, despite being only 13% or so of the population. 
As I've said on previous episodes of this program, more and more and more Latinos, Mexicans, Guatemalans, Hondurans, Colombians, people of Hispanic descent are illegally crossing into the United States of America. We can call out that ethnicity. We can call out that, it's not really a race, but that group of people and not be considered racist because, well, that group of people aren't of the other 13% minority. As of two years ago, the Latino Hispanic population in the United States was reported at about 16% of the population. But as Joe Biden continues to let millions, not hundreds of thousands, not tens of thousands, not thousands, not hundreds, he's letting millions of illegal, trespassing, criminal, invading aliens come across our borders unlawfully. And therefore, the Latino Hispanic population percentage is increasing year by year by year. And those who are here are having babies in record numbers. Anchor babies, they call them. As soon as an illegal, trespassing, criminal, invading, unlawful alien crosses our southern border and spits out a kid, the kid is a citizen. Therefore, anchored here are the kid's parents because you can't deport mommy and daddy and leave a newborn citizen here without someone to care for it. So they're letting the illegal mamacitas and papacitas stay here in the country to care for the new American Bambino citizen. The other minority, the 13% hyphenated American minority that we refuse to mention by race for fear of becoming racist or labeled racist, they should be worried to death. They, that particular 13% hyphenated American minority, should be screaming to shut the southern border, to stop the southern influx of a minority that is now overtaking them by the millions every year. And those are just the ones we catch. How many million more are sneaking over and not getting caught because they're evading capture by the Border Patrol? It's got to be at least five times as many. But that's okay. Sooner or later, the 13% hyphenated American minority, the one who goes to Congress and screams racism and tries to play the race card at every single opportunity, those who manufacture so-called systemic racism lies, they're going to be an even smaller minority in this country as the Hispanic Latino population increases exponentially. Those lives will matter even less because they will fall into a much smaller percentage of the overall population. Either that particular minority is ignorant, stupid, uneducated, or perhaps they're okay with the Latino Hispanic population increasing in numbers because as that population increases, the white population decreases in percentage of population. Perhaps the Latino Hispanic population will become the target of the 13% hyphenated American population and they'll team up together and become the majority and call themselves the brown and even darker shade majority and kick whitey out of the country altogether. 
It'll take decades for something like that to happen, theoretically. I'll be long dead. My kids have not had kids yet. And I've said this more and more recently, my friends. I hope they don't. I don't want my children to bring offspring into this world into a Joe Biden-esque socialist communist destroyed United States of America. I just don't want that for any potential grandkids that I might have had. It's not fair to them. And it's not because I'm white. As the nation becomes browner and browner due to illegal immigration, unfettered birth rates, especially in the minority communities, the white population is indeed diminishing and diluting. And the more melanined minorities in this country, the darker-skinned folks, are overjoyed. They are celebrating the fact that white people in this country are diminishing by percentage of the population. Even Joe Biden celebrated it on the campaign trail and after being elected. He doesn't care. He'll be dead in who God knows how soon. He's feeble. He is weak. His mind is gone. He won't be around much longer. That's not a threat in case you're trying to call the not-so-secret service. I make no threats against the President of the United States, this one, the last one, or any before him. I won't dare threaten anyone, and I'm powerless to do anything anyway. I'm just a guy in a rolling chair behind a microphone. That's my weapon. I am no threat to any elected official. I harbor no ill will towards any. Now, if the old guy dies of natural causes, old age, dementia, whatever, that's on him. It's not on me. So let's get that clear right now. I make no threats against any person in this country. I don't care. You do you. I'll do me. And part of doing me is this program, which currently allows me, under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, the freedom of speech to continue doing this program until such time as the Democrats, the progressives, the liberals, the woke, the squad, whoever's pulling Biden's strings, finds a way to finally silence conservative-leaning media. Let's hope it isn't today. I'd like to get through the next 10 minutes of this program without being censored by the U.S. government. But it's coming. You know it. And I know it. Let the book burning begin. This is the Truth Hurts program, where we tell it like it is. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I apologize if you were offended, but I retract nothing because I speak the truth. And for some, the truth hurts. We'll be right back. Quinn Hillier wrote in the Washington Examiner, Biden is against gas, but he's full of hot air. Even as President Joe Biden blames others for today's outrageously high energy prices, he continues his jihad against domestic fossil fuel production. As Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat of West Virginia, put it, Biden's policies are, quote, just awful, unquote. Last week, gropey Joe Biden canceled two planned oil and gas lease sales in the Gulf of Mexico and canceled one planned lease sale in Alaska's Cook Inlet. The Biden administration also gave clear signals that it will allow the nationwide five-year offshore drilling program to lapse next month in June without a legally mandated replacement plan anywhere near readiness. This will be a terrible dereliction of legal duty in any circumstance, but in a time where the national average price for a gallon of gasoline 
is edging ever closer to $4.50 a gallon. As of today, the 19th day of May, 2022, it is also economic malpractice for the short-term and the long-term needs of our nation. Frank Macchiarola is a senior vice president of the American Petroleum Institute, API. He told the Washington Examiner, quote, Unfortunately, this is becoming a pattern. The administration talks about the need for more supply and then acts to restrict it, unquote. People defending Gropey Joe Biden say that lease sales now would not lead to actual production for several years, and thus they are irrelevant to today's prices. They're both wrong and ridiculous. As with all industries, today's energy prices reflect long-term expectations of the companies who have to invest billions of dollars in research, in design, in manufacturing, etc. If the five-year plan isn't renewed on time, API estimates that the result could be half a million barrel production shortfall each and every day for years and years and years to come. When questioned about this, the Biden administration's first excuse is leases and the plan are being held up anyway because of court battles. Well, guess who's waging the court battles? The Biden administration, of course. If Biden doesn't want court fights to slow down the leasing programs, all he needs to do is stop battling in court against lease sales. He's repeatedly lost in preliminary court battles on the issue because the previous war against domestic leasing is itself contrary to the clear language of the law that allows for the lease sales. The administration's position that such court fights are needed to ward off climate change is, as Joe Manchin said, a very lame excuse. Ben Zeicher is the American Enterprise Institute's spokesman, and he calculates the total effect of these now-canceled lease sales will be a whopping 0.00023 degree increase in the global temperature by the year 2100. Mount Everest, meet the first grain in a molehill. The administration's second excuse is that the industry hasn't made all of the existing leases operational and hasn't obviously champed at the bit for the three just canceled ones. This is a lie. It is absurd. Legal uncertainty and all sorts of technical factors make some leases more worth exploiting and sooner than other leases. In addition, Industry executives are famously cagey about their interests so as not to start bidding up the lease prices too high or too soon. Once the bidding actually begins, the bidding companies usually emerge in large numbers. In the long run, the Biden administration's antagonism to domestic production will harm the United States of America's former energy independence. It will keep prices high. It will keep supplies low. It will cost thousands and thousands of jobs from the driller to the geologist to the motorman 
to the roughneck, to the ship agents, to the transportation companies, to the pipeline manufacturers, to the truck drivers, to the train operators, to the pipeline employees, the accountants, the lunch lady at the lunch counter of the business across the street from the oil company headquarters, all the way down to you and I. And it will indeed cost billions upon billions of dollars in revenues, you know, taxes paid to the federal government and to state and local jurisdictions. That's a whole lot of harm to endure for the sake of political posturing so that Gropey Joe can shake his feeble fist and wag his waggly finger at the camera and say, I have somehow fought climate change by affecting a 0.00023 degree temperature change over the next 75 plus years that we have no proof will definitely occur with or without the energy. And here's the really screwy part, folks. Biden is begging OPEC, begging Venezuela, begging Russia, begging other countries, please drill more, please produce more oil, please put it on filthy polluting ships and send it over to the United States of America so we can refine it. Or please refine it yourself and send it to us. It doesn't matter, Joe Biden, whether that oil is produced here in the USA or overseas. It has no effect on climate whatsoever. If the same amount of oil is being drilled, whether it's drilled here or whether it's drilled over there, there will be no net change in the trajectory of our naturally occurring climate cycles. The earth is in a pattern where it is slightly closer to the sun in its yearly orbit around the sun. And the closer you get to a star, Mr. President, the hotter things become. The earth's orbit is not in a fixed trajectory. It's semi-fixed. We know we go around the sun in a circle every year, and the tilt of the Earth's axis gives us seasons like summer and winter. But unlike your third grade solar system mobile, that thing hanging from your teacher's desk with a sun that was fixed to a pedestal, and then the planets spun around in exactly the same orbit, that's not how gravity works. We get a little closer to the sun when certain planets are aligned in a different fashion than they are at other periods during the entirety of the total revolution of the Earth around the sun in relation to other planets. And if I'm getting too far out of whack here, folks, it's because they're trying to use this point zero 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 two three projected increase in global temperatures as an excuse to stop using fossil fuels when it has zero to do with fossil fuels and a whole hell of a lot more to do with where Earth is in its rotation around the sun in relation to other planets also orbiting that same 
son. For many people in this country and around the world, that is just simply too much for them to comprehend, too much to understand. Let me put it this way. If the next farthest planet out from us in the solar system is close to us, its gravity will pull against us in our orbit around the sun slightly, but enough to affect a temperature change on this planet. If the next planet towards the sun is close to us, its gravity will pull us slightly closer to the sun as we orbit around the sun and our temperatures will go up. It's common sense. It's basic, basic astronomy 101. And it is all the time I have as we continue to rotate around the sun, as we continue to spin on our axis, and as the world continues to do what the world would do whether we drilled for oil or didn't drill for oil. Hell, whether we were here at all or not, there will always be periods of warmer weather, periods of colder weather. There will at one point, unfortunately, be a time where there will be no Truth Hurts program left. But for now, enjoy while you got it, because I speak the truth. And unfortunately, sometimes that truth hurts. Go out there and make it a terrific Thursday, and we'll see you on the next program. Thank you for listening. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing.